1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm wonderful to be back with you for another week. And I'm so excited about today's show. Um, We're going to be talking about inspiring, engage, uh, contribute, service and social responsibility with my guest today, Sue Stevenson, who's vice president of Community Footprints for a fascinating organization uh, called the Ritz-Carlton. But before we've talked to Sue, I'd like to say a big thank you to my guest last week, Gordon Treadgold, who talked about F.A.S.T., And FAST were some important business success principles that organizations need to really consider to drive profit. FAST stood for focus, accountability, simplicity, and transparency. And they really got me thinking about how some businesses are overcomplicated and almost develop a language of their own. I remember my first ever company that I worked for um, back in the uh, 1990s, um, they had a big thick guide on their jargon. I also think it was interesting, you know, he talked about sometimes people talking in a very complex way, and uh, often that hides the fact that actually they don't understand themselves. So really worthwhile going and having a listen to that. I certainly got lots of ideas when I listened uh, it over again. Now, over the years, I've heard tales about Ritz-Carlton, which have begun to put them in my mind as being like the Southwest Airlines of the hotel service world. And I must confess, though, I've never had the privilege to stay in one. However, only last week I had dinner with a friend of mine, a former show guest called Steve Head. And we chatted about holidays, and by complete coincidence, he began to explain how he'd had this amazing extended family holiday for a month in Ritz-Carlton, in Florida, the Ritz-Carlton Grand Lakes. And he just um, went on and on about what an incredible experience it was. Uh, he's a regular visitor, so I'm sure he got you know, really exquisite service, which he articulated and his family loved the experience. And on the way home, I wrote, I must stay at the Ritz-Carlton in my bucket list. But Steve was surprised when at the end of the conversation, I said to him, Steve, and that's incredible because I'm actually interviewing Sue Richardson from Ritz-Carlton next week. Now, the Ritz-Carlton is that knowledge worldwide for its extraordinary customer service. The company's culture of service excellence also extends to the work environment and is importantly beyond the boundaries of the workplace and into the community. Uh, from 2001, my guest Sue Stevenson was the senior vice president of human resources, and in 2007 assumed leadership of the Ritz Carlton Social Responsibility Program, Community Footprints. Reporting to the company's president and, and COO, she is expanding the company's global corporate citizenship efforts through addressing the needs of at-risk children, alleviating poverty and hunger, and protecting the environment. She also serves as Vice-Chair of Impact 2030, a private sector-led collaboration with the United Nations and other stakeholders who are aligning aligning companies and employee-volunteer contributions to create real and sustainable change. So let's talk to Sue and find out more about the Ritz-Carlton Way and the company's approach to social responsibility. So a big welcome to my guest today, Sue Stevenson. Thank you, Chris. I'm delighted to be on the show. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, Lovely to talk to you. And uh, Sue, uh, just actually, just very quickly, whereabouts are you based? Um, I'm based in
2: Atlanta, uh, Georgia, um, and um, although I travel a lot um, from here, but this is home base at the moment.
1: I remember where we, we met in London, didn't we, a few months ago? Uh, um, yeah Now, our, list, our listeners to the Business Elevation Show—they're from around from around the world. In fact, we access from over fifty countries, and some might be more familiar with the Ritz Carlton than others. So, could you tell us, Sue? A bit about the company and how you came to work for the Ritz Carlton, uh, and perhaps you might want to share as well um, what it was like, you know, as a Brit moving to the United States.
2: Yeah, certainly. So, um, Litz-Carlton, uh, um, it's, it's known as a hotel company, although a little broader than that with residences and, and clubs, but uh, the company is now in 28 countries, 90 hotels and, and 40 clubs and residences um, all around the world, you know, Shanghai to Singapore to um, Santiago and, um, you know, Dubai to Los Angeles. We, we, we have a relatively small footprint at the moment in Europe, although that is expanding, and we do have properties in, in Berlin and Barcelona and, and Vienna. Um, interestingly, the, the Ritz in London, as much as I love their afternoon tea, the Ritz in London is not part of our um, our, our portfolio. Um, but um, just as, as you said, it, it's a company that's known for its um, extraordinary levels of service. Um, I joined the company um Long time ago, actually twenty five years ago, um, and I am a Brit. Um, although I'm now an American national, I'm certainly be- I still a very proud Brit at heart. Um, uh, and my my career started in personnel, as it was called at the time, in the in the hotel business. Um, very much, I, I think, a discipline at the time or profession at the time that was very much focused on um, processes around hiring, etc. cetera. Um, and during that time, I'd been reading about a relatively new hotel company that was U.S.-based um, that just had a few hotels. And the president at the, at the time, Paul Shortsey, um, had a very simple philosophy, you know, happy employees equals happy customers equals successful business. Um, and I found that quite intriguing. It was in the early days of companies Um, really recognizing the power of employee engagement, which now, uh, obviously, is is very much at the forefront of successful um, companies, but but at that time, the idea of placing employees at the front of that equation was new, and and I applied to join the company, and I I was very fortunate, um, uh, and certainly very struck from those very early days of of this very strong, employee-centric culture um, as a way of delivering great service, Um, So I started in Boston. Um, I had a regional role. I transferred to Singapore and then back to the United States to the corporate team, um, moved into global human resources, just an amazing time when the the company was expanding globally outside of the U.S. Um, And then since 2007, I've had the great fortune. I think I have one of the best jobs on the planet, I have to say. Um, So I lead the global strategy around community footprints, which is the name of our social impact and sustainability program. Um, I still report to the president and COO um, of AMBA. So so that means that I I sit at the executive committee so I, I can ensure that the strategies around our impact on communities around the world, um, as we get, and also as we go into new destinations, is part of the business agenda. It's integrated into business operations, as well as our service culture, uh, and then also is part of our long-range plan. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, and you'll probably hear me reference this while we're chatting today. But um, you know, I, I think keeping these these factors front of mind is key um, for, for for businesses.
1: I think absolutely right, is it's become a real passion of mine. Actually, this employee engagement and being a being a really engaging leader and manager to help uh, people become more employed, uh, more engaged, and uh, you know, you're a an example of, uh, of of developing an engaged uh, culture. Uh, it's just interesting, just something that came to me when when you were talking earlier that you used to used to refer to human resources personnel, and yeah, I, I saw, I saw a, a fascinating video the other day which. Uh, Referred, it was about employee engagement, and 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 the person in it was saying, "You know, I'm not, I'm not a resource. I'm a human being." So, it just kind of yeah. made me wonder actually whether that word "personnel" was better than "resources." <laughs> yeah, I, I
2: think the, um, I, I think the, the, the term does continue to, um, it, you know, evolve. It talks now. I think the, the term around talent and people management, etc. I, I think it is, um, it, it's definitely continuing to evolve.
1: So yeah, I think you're a very very smart uh, person working for a a wonderful group hotel group and being able to stay in all these fantastic destinations. Um but what what really really differentiates the Ritz-Carlton as a company do you think?
2: You know uh, that that that's a great question. I I I I think I know that we're known for our extraordinary service that we do provide. We 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 um, we target the luxury um, consumer um, around the world. But I, I think for, I think many of the elements, in fact, I would say all of the elements of our service strategy um, is applicable regardless of um, business and, and, and sector. So, uh, you know, I would talk about there being three important components of service. Um, the first is obviously the service delivery to the guests or the customers or whatever they you know, might be known in a particular business. It, it, to us, they are our guests. Um, and it's this, you know, memorable anticipatory service um, that really does, um, I-, I think, set, it, set us apart. Um, but there's also the the service that we provide to each other, what we call lateral service, and our empowerment culture is the sort of the second pillar. And then the third pillar, which we believe is of equal importance, is the service to our communities. So you know, if we, uh, you, we, we you can't have, I, I truly believe that you can't have a strong service culture within a company um, without those three components. So, you know, if we look at the first one, um, which, you know, as like I said, we're, we're, we're best known for um, externally is, you know, genuine and anticipatory service. So... You know, you we're we're also known for beautiful facilities. Um, but what we know is that our guests remember the interactions with our employees. Um, that's certainly what your friend that you had dinner with last week remembered while he was in Orlando. Uh, it's the the interactions on, on a um, throughout the stay uh, with our uh, with our ladies and gentlemen, as they're as they're known. We we believe that uh, this is that we're in the service industry. We're service professionals. It's not servile, it's it, 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 it are truly our, our ladies and gentlemen, regardless of their role, are ladies and gentlemen. And that resonates very, very well with our employees around the world. Um, even our millennial workforce is great pride um, of the fact that we elevate their role to, um, to, to be on equal standing with the customers that they serve. Abayamla, our president, he always reminds us that although our hotels have, you know, fine furnishings and you know, sumptuous surroundings and beautiful landscaping it is the interactions with the employees um, that they remember. That's what they take away with them. Uh, We have an expression that we use in our marketing, which is, let us stay with you. Um, It's a play on words because, of course, the guest is staying with us at our hotels or our clubs or our residences. But it really is those sort of special moments that they'll take away. And when they think about the... um, their stay, whether it's in Berlin or whether it's Orlando or whether it's in um, Chengdu, uh, it's those interactions at the front desk and in the restaurant um, and at the you know the front door of the hotel and in the housekeeping department that they will uh, that will stay with them. We and actually for any of the listeners uh, that want to go to look at hashtag RC Memories. Um, uh, they, they can, uh, they'll, they'll see the memories that the guests just love to share with us. Um, and uh, As I mentioned, although memorable service uh, transcends the luxury tier, um, I think the learnings from companies like the Ritz-Carlton um, can be applied to all sorts of companies and organizations and industries. Um, for, uh, you know, for listeners, I, I think if you think about the decisions that you make on um, which store you're going to shop at or where you're going to buy that regular cup of coffee or even, you know, which doctor you're going to select for you and your family. Decisions are based on the service experience. That's where trust is built up. You know, how do they make you feel? Did they... Make you feel as if they were interested and invested in you during that interaction you know was it friendly was it anticipatory did they you know did the welcome resonate with you um the, the they they're so important you know i I think about you know when i go when I'm traveling and i I go to the our corporate office, which is in up in Chevy Chase, Maryland, I go to the same coffee shop um while I'm staying up there, and they remember
1: me they remember my order
2: makes me feel special, Um, and I I think the, you know, if I think of my doc, going to visit my doctor, I feel that she's really invested in me. It's a great experience, and, and based on that, I trust um, I trust that she's going to make the right decisions for me and my family. Um, so I, I think this service really is uh, is a key component. So getting underneath that and finding out how indeed do you ensure that there is a this this strong cadence and focus and commitment to service within an organisation is is the. Um, you know, the $6 million question because it, it doesn't come about um, magically. There's a, You know, there's a great deal of work and effort that goes into it. And uh, actually, we have a Ritz-Carlton Leadership Center, which um, is a business line for us that has had hundreds of companies from around the world um, go through the program to learn what are the processes that need to be in place, or processes, I should say. See I put a little bit of my American accent slipping in there. Um, what processes need to be in place to ensure that... Um, that you can be consistent with this service because, because the reality is service interactions are not supervised. For us, we have millions of service interactions happening every day with our guests and our employees around the world. Um, they're not supervised, so we need to ensure that there is a structure and a system in place to ensure that those service deliveries are, are, um, are memorable. Um, and that, that we're not having to um, have managers oversee that because obviously that, that that wouldn't work. So, you know, the secret the secret source, so to speak, is you know, how do we create that environment?
1: Now, now as a company, we've got a three minutes to a commercial break now. Um, oh, now as the companies around Yeah,
2: I'll I'll talk quickly then about um, oh, no, you know, that's the okay.
1: Of, it's, it's fine, you know, as, as as the company's grown around the world, you know, how have you been able to maintain your service standards?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great um, uh, that's a great question. It it's uh, it starts with the you know the selection of the service. You know our service professionals. Um, you know ensuring that we bring on people that are committed to service. Um, and there's a lot we put a lot of emphasis around the selection process. Um, orientation, including um, the first three days and then an annual um, recertification of just reminding our employees of the standards and the expectations, um, our empowerment culture, which I'll talk a little bit more about because that's uh, that's an incredibly exciting component, um, our lineup at the start of every shift in every day um, in every hotel and office that we have around the world, sharing sort of magical um um experiences so that they're really um, our employees know that they're empowered to give great service and just continual reinforcement and fostering of, of um of, of an environment of service. Uh once we're back from the break, I'm going to talk about this empowerment culture and share a great story actually about Joshy the Giraffe, um, which I think really um, summarizes um, summarizes that philosophy.
1: So I just would like to go just a couple of minutes before the break. I'd just like to um, ask you about that sort of line out you, you mentioned, because I thought that was, that was fascinating about how every morning people get together and they really share the experiences and they rem- remind themselves of the values and, 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 try, yeah. and uh, try and anticipate the expectations of the service for their customers. Um, so it's got a yeah. minute now, but don't know if you've got any more thoughts around that because it's fascinating.
2: Yes, I consider it our silver bullet. To be honest, so um, we, you know, we have we have to remember that you know everybody has a busy day. You know, regardless of what your role is in the business, whether it's checking in guests. Or you know, delivering the food in the restaurant or creating the food—it's a busy, busy work. Work. So at the start of each day, we have to remind people that the success of the company is based on those individual service interactions. So we have this lineup, we have an editorial calendar, and we focus in on an aspect of service every day. So it's the housekeeping department in um, in Hong Kong, um, as it would be the housekeeping department in Berlin or in um, in Atlanta here in Atlanta, um, or the reception department or the executive office. Whatever it is, we're all talking about the same topic, so almost 40,000 employees around the world. At the start of the shift is that reminding people it's about that service, it's about the eye contact, it's about the great smile, and then we've got to get the busy, busy work in. You know, have got to get them checked into the right room, the food's got to be tasty and to be delivered warm, the room's got to be immaculately clean, but the most important aspect of the day is the service um, service interaction with the customer and and also with each other.
1: Excellent. So you're kind of reminding, reminding yourselves everywhere of what's important every day. Um, I yeah. think that you can understand how that if you really think about every customer coming through and interaction you do that every day, it must be very, very empowering. I think that's something that any organization can take away, uh, you know, sitting, standing there and meeting your team in the morning and just reminding yourselves why you're there and the priorities of the day and making sure you're all engaged. Uh, it must be hugely empowering to do that. Um, So we're going to get to commercial break now. Tell We're we're going to get to commercial break now. And uh, and after the break, we can uh, continue. And I want to hear the story about the giraffes. We'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes.
2: (laughs) When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here.
0: Voice America Business Network. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. are tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. now back to chris cooper
1: hi this is chris cooper i'm delighted to be with sue stevenson and i'm just starting to think there's so much i want to ask sue in this interview that uh, maybe there should be a part one and a part two um so I'm d- delighted to uh, to chat with Sue and about uh, Ritz Carlton and and I just wonder, Sue, uh, you've got quite an unusual job title. What's the origin of community footprints? Um, you know, that's a, that's a great question. I
2: was um, I was visiting one of our hotels. It, actually, it was a hotel in Cleveland, and um, they've got this very long corridor at the at the heart of the house, as we, we call, um, you know, behind the scenes. And in this long 150 foot corridor, they had literally cut out paper footprints and. Employees had written on the service projects that they were involved in in the community and that really, and they called the program locally Community for Prince and we thought that really resonated and we adopted it for our hotels globally and when I moved into my current position that was a natural moniker to, um, to, to have. So yes, it is unusual but it works very well for us internally.
1: Excellent. I actually just, um, just something I mentioned before the break there that I, I jumped ahead because I do want you to tell us a story about Joshi the giraffe. So we'll come back to community <laughs> footprints in a moment. Please tell us a story because it's a good one. Yeah, so uh, I
2: mean, I, I think just giving an example of this sort of internal. Um, lateral service and empowerment philosophy. So, um, and that this is one of, I, honestly, one of um, hundreds of examples because we share what we call our wow stories on Mondays and Fridays during our lineup process. Um, but a guest, his name was Chris Hearn, um, and he's wrote about this extensively. He had um, a vacation with his son at our hotel in Amelia Island, Florida. The son had left behind his stuffed giraffe, Joshy. And was absolutely devastated. Those of us with um, with children will um, will recognise that. Um, had uh, told his son that um, as he was putting him to bed, that not to worry, Joshua had just extended his um, his holiday uh and then had reached out to the hotel it had been found. It had been found in the laundry. It was wrapped up with the sheets. Um and was being sent to uh would be sent back. But um what the employees did, and it was actually our security department, they did take Joshy on an extended holiday and took photographs of him around the resort. Um Joshy at the swimming pool, Joshy um in the golf cart, Joshy um at the spa with cucumber on his eyes, Joshy <laughs> at the security office. And Joshy meeting other stuffed animals, etc., and had created this beautiful album, which they sent with um, other toys um, back to um, back to the Hearn family. So it's a, it's a, it's an example. So we share these stories on Mondays and Fridays because we want the employees to understand they would still have been doing their job if they would just packaged Joshy up and sent it back. Um, so and you can't put into a job description that if Joshy gets left behind, these are some of the ideas that you could do to create a great experience. Um, the employees were empowered to do that. They didn't ask their supervisor. So that's um, that's an, a fun example of in Encouraging, um, empowering your employees to do something unique and memorable. So we love the Joshi story because we, we're the only reason we knew about it was um, um, Mr. Han had written about it, wrote to us, um, and told us the story. Often these, you know, these are happening every day. We're not aware of them unless unless a guest um, writes to us to to let us know how much it wowed them.
1: Brilliant, and I bet that uh, young boy was very pleased to get his uh, Joshy back <laughs> and uh, and a. Lovely photo album of what he'd been up to. <laughs> so, so how how does Ritz Carlton determine which community footprint project, footprint projects to focus on? There must be so much out there so, you can do with all those places you operate.
2: Yeah, that's that's a great question. So when I when I first took over um, Community Footprints. We we were a little bit all over the place, um, you know, hotels around the world, lots of, as you say, lots of areas that we could get involved in and were getting involved in at a local level. So um, we conducted quite an in-depth survey. Uh, we, we found that there was real commonality around three areas, um, child well-being with, with a focus on education, um, hunger and poverty relief, and um, obviously environmental responsibility. Um, we, we have hotels in some of the most pristine locations, so ensuring that we're doing whatever we can to protect the environment is, is, is you know, key to our philosophy. So... Um, Uh, At each hotel, we have a community footprints team and a React team. That's Ritz-Carlton Environmental Action Conservation Team, chaired by the general manager. Um, They develop local partnerships, so they take our global strategy and make it specific to um, Dubai, specific to Vienna, specific to, um, to Los Angeles or Boston, wherever they might be in the world, and select partners in those three areas that they can collaborate with. So they don't see it as a corporate program. The employees see it as their program and That they can be great proud, really proud of. Um, you know, for the React team, you know, they're made up of en- you know our engineers, operations, our purchasing, culinary, and they're continually looking at new ways to, you know, evaluate how we use natural resources, um, how much waste we generate, how how um, comprehensive our recycling strategy is. And uh, actually, just this week, we launched an interesting program at our hotel in Naples, Florida. Um, which is essentially we have a repurposed shipping container that grows um, inside one acre of produce it we use um, um, hydroponic um, vertical growing um, and it consumes ninety percent less water than traditional farming would do and uh, it 's been incredibly successful and we 're looking at how we so the hotel uses the produce for the salads for the the food that they produce at the two resorts. Uh, and we're looking at that for other locations. The Middle East, obviously, is one that comes to mind, uh, where, you know, water um, scarcity is a real issue and where often produce has to be shipped into the country. So that there are um, exciting ideas um, and concepts that our teams can work on. And then on the environment, on the um, social impact side, working with community organizations, um, with children, with um, hunger and poverty to really apply our resources, our expertise, and our, our you know, our ladies and gentlemen, um, volunteer actions, which we integrate into the working day to um, to help make a difference. So, you know, I mean, great programs. I, I, could, I could talk about them all day, but, you know, a recent one, I, I was just in conversation with one of the hotels. Is it Grand Cayman in the Cayman Islands? You know, they have a rigorous program, um, uh, many programs, but one is, you know, every Friday, 20 employees go to their local um, school for the Reading Buddies program. They work with the Blue Iguana Recovery Program. The Blue Iguana is indigenous to the Cayman Islands. It's a beautiful, big iguana. It's actually blue. It's a, it's a stunning <laughs> um, creature, um, but very endangered. There's only uh, 200 breeding pairs. So working with that organization to, to ensure whatever they can do to help protect... Um, protect that indigenous species, uh, but many examples, many examples um, like that are happening every day. And I, great thing about my job is I get to um, to hear about them.
1: Well, it sound it, it must be wonderful to do a job which is you know it's very worthy, you uh, know I mean, it's very very worthy work, isn't it? And and you're doing that yeah. within a corporate organisation, um, yeah, and yeah. you're kind of turning on turning on its head that perspective that some people have that you know business is not necessarily a good thing. Um, you know you're you're out there doing great work uh, and and contributing a lot it's really really wonderful are there any company-wide programs that all your hotels participate in or or is it more specific to to, to yeah so um,
2: so so most of the programs are localized um, but we do have one called 60 through service um, under our child well-being focus area so we We work with students around the age of thirteen. In many countries where we're based, um, there is issue with children dropping out of school, um, with great issues with that. If you know they don't complete their education, they're more likely to live a life in poverty and all of the you know traumatic um, situations that can arise from that. So um, we found that sweet spot for us is is engaging through very extensive mentoring programs with. Uh, students um, around 12, 13 years of age Um, and we found that it's having a real positive impact to date since we launched. We've worked with 18,000 students around the world and the the curriculum brings students into our hotels and also takes our employees into classrooms. Um, We teach critical life skills um, that are not part of the curriculum so we work very much with the teachers um, and um, at the schools and we also introduce the idea to students that they can Contribute to their own communities; that they're not just dependent on. Um, because the students we work with are in low-income communities, that they are not just dependent on being the recipients of handouts, but they, in fact, can also make that contribution. So we're we're incredibly proud of um, of that program. The curriculum's available open source on our community footprints website, and we're getting it translated into multiple languages at the moment.
1: And it must be tremendously ins- inspiring for people from low-income communities to have the opportunity to you know, come into your hotels and to learn life skills and realize that actually they could better themselves. I remember I was chatting with my my friend Steve I and mean, Steve and I you know both aren't from kind of wealthy backgrounds but uh, you know Steve has something in his past uh, you know clicked in and he he's now able to stay for a month in the Ritz Carlton. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, you know it is it is possible isn't it when you you know, you are inspired by people, uh, and uh, that you realise that anything is actually possible.
2: Yes, yes, very much so, very much so. And it's a it's a real badge of honour for our employees to be involved in these programmes and, and, and really in, impact young lives.
1: And and how's the this foot, footprints then the community footprints evolving? Where where's it sort of heading? Well, you know,
2: if I mean, there's a couple of ways, um, uh, you know, on the sustainability front and also on the social impact front. But, but I, I think most currently, uh, the evolution that we're making is around our, our volunteer focus for the, for the work that our employees are doing. And often, this, although we call it volunteer, it, it's actually you know embedded into their work schedule. Um, but it's how they, if we think about it, how you know, if you're contributing two hours of your time. Um, how can you incorporate, you know, business skills and ex- experience to make that contribution of more or more value? So, you know, for example, you know, I, I always say our chefs can certainly, um, you know, help plant trees in the local park. But what's more beneficial is if he or she spends time with a local hunger relief organization, for example, or a school to help them plan well-balanced, cost. You know, cost efficient and nutritious meals or, you know, our human resource teams teaching interview and presentation skills to community centers and, you know, our operation skill um, teams helping people that are entering the workforce maybe for the first time in a while, teaching them, you know, important social skills or, engineers helping our partners, our community partners, you know, with effective strategies to reduce their own that use of natural resources. So many different ways. So we're, we're, we're really doing, the, doing this assessment across the organization on how, what are the important skills and experience that we can, we can, we can pass forward? Because if you're leveraging your mind and your heart, it makes far greater impact and it, in, in truth is much greater level of engagement than if you're just using your muscles. And, and actually we, we just had an example last month. So Irve Umler, our president, convened almost 100 Ritz-Carlton general managers for a conference. Um, and the first day we kicked off um, a community footprint event with 200 students at a school in the Mission District in San Francisco. Um, and in advance they prepared their bios. You know, inspiring advice for joining the workforce—the first job that they had. Because although they're now general managers of these, you know, beautiful hotels around the world, they all started, or the majority started, at the front desk as a waiter. You know, in in uh, they came into the hotel in junior roles. Some started washing dishes. So it was important for this to set the stage for the students to see that. And then they broke into eleven classrooms. We we had teams of two GMs with four students, two hundred students in total. And they collaborated on um, issues that impact our industry um, and were relevant to the trade school that they were in. And um, one was, you know, water usage or water waste is a big issue for our industry. So, you know, trying to work towards identifying a strategy for reducing cu- um, um, consumption, working on making the um, the guest room more appealing to the young traveler, et etc. And it was phenomenal. Three hours. Um, you know, they worked together. They became very very um, effective teams so you had these you know senior professionals working with young students they were you know fourteen fifteen years old creating solutions cre- making presentations their elevator pitch um, and it really helped these students with problem solving uh, collaboration skills and also that opportunity to present to some sort of real life mentors so um, it was a tremendous, tremendous success. We're working with the school to make it into a case study um, so that we can um, have it as a model for young, uh, young students to collaborate with um, groups of executives, and we'll make that available open source. But um, as you can tell, I'm very excited about it because I'm working on this case study. But yeah. it was just amazing, the, the, the images of the beginning of where the students were very shy to the end where they were, I mean, there was just so much enthusiasm and great smiles. You, it, was a, it really was a, a terrific, a terrific event.
1: That's wonderful. I was uh, involved with an event a few weeks ago where it was a, it was a, um, it was a school and um, the, the sort of older year in the school. And what we did is we, they didn't know about it, but we taught them how to do a speech. Over yeah. over a couple of hours, and we ended up having a, a speak speaking competition at the end, and uh, there was a prize to go to a next kind of level. Um, but it was just fascinating to see how you know, those some of those children really kind of rose to the rose to the challenge, yeah. and so inspiring uh, to see you know where they were and where they got to just in a couple of hours. Now we've just got a couple of minutes to commercial break, and I, I, but I just wonder, you know, are your customers um, all those customers of the Ritz Carlton? Are, are they able to engage in any of these? footprint programs
2: yes absolutely um and we have a couple of programs we work with the um the um um, ambassadors of the environment program which Jean-Michel Cousteau who is the son of uh, Jacques Cousteau and his family operate. um they are at many of our resort locations and their focus is really around education so much of this is the opportunity to educate um customers and employees about you know what with the ambassadors of the environment, in particular, what they can do to help protect the ocean, and that there are um, activities that they can get engaged in. Um, our um, children that stay at our resorts can participate in the Ritz Kids program, which is about environmental education. Um, and then we we have um, we actually introduced the first of its kind um, a, a program called Give Back Getaways. Back in two thousand and nine, which are half-day volunteer projects, so it can be helping with that blue iguana program in Grand Cayman, or helping to protect sea turtles, or creating hunger relief packages. For many of the families that stay, um, they want to be engaged in giving back, but you know, parents maybe have busy jobs, kids are at school, um, or engaged in their own activities. So, as a family together, there is that opportunity to spend time learning about um, a social or an environmental impact program. And we're relaunching it, actually, um, in December. Um, and it will be known as Impact Experiences. But we, our, our guests are very interested. They want to know about the location they're visiting and they want to know about what's happening well beyond the footprint of the, um, of the actual hotel or resort that they're staying in.
1: Brilliant. Well, we're going to go to commercial break uh, again now. Um, but after the break, what I want to talk about is you know, um, your your recommendations for listeners are maybe wanting to start a social uh, purpose type programme. So we'll we'll come on and start to talk about that um, after the break. Uh, But in the meantime, we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes.
0: Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you.
1: What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business.
2: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm delighted to be, t- to be talking to Sue Stevenson from the Ritz-Carlton. And if you want to find out uh, more information about shows that are, are coming up and and some of my takes and, and lessons from some of the shows, uh, do go to, to uh, chriscooper.co.uk and subscribe to the uh, the monthly communication there. And uh, we just send a, one one a month and uh, just give you a, a little bit of update of uh, what's going on. Um, so Sue, so we were chatting before the break about the Footprints program and I wonder what your recommendations are for listeners wanting to start a social purpose program.
2: Um, That's a great question, Chris. Uh, You know, I I think it's important that companies um, tie it to, I'd say, I I use the term that companies call competencies, but um, you've got to assess, you know, what what program, for it to be really robust, um, how does it link to um, how does it link to the main purpose of the, of the of the of the company? You know, for us, hunger. We're we're in the food business. Um, we're, we're a company that's known for great, robust training. So we would we we looked at programs that could draw on that. Um, a social purpose program can't be siloed. Um, you know, I use the term it can't be bolted on the side of a a, a company or an organisation. It's got to be integrated. Um, it, it's And also you've got to involve your employees and stakeholders in deciding where to focus efforts. It, it's very easy. There is so much need in the world, in every community, wherever you go. There's 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 always great need, um, and it's very easy, I think, to get um, spread very thin. Uh, I think if you want to make um, a good effort, you've really got to focus in on specific areas. So I I think I'd mentioned before for us, you know, we surveyed what we were doing around the world and there were lots of areas of interest. There were pet projects that had become institutionalized um, and we wanted to find out what, you know, what were the areas that resonated first with our employees um, because they would be actively engaged, um, our customers and other stakeholders, and that's... Where we um, settled in on you know hunger, poverty, children again with you know I, I think as I've mentioned with that emphasis on education, so we can leverage our our own core competence of of training, and the environment was key for us. Uh, and then I, I think as I've also um, spoken about you know whether whether a company is 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 is, is local or whether they have. Um, regional, um, um, or whether, you know, they even have a, a global footprint, um, it, keeping that focus on local partners is is critical. So, you know, for our hotels, they will each have partners in the hunger and poverty relief area, in the environmental area, um, and in um, with children. So it will be with a local school. The partnership will be with a local children's organization, rather than, Um, For myself and the corporate team coming out with an overarching, you know, this is the partner that we're going to to be working with and you will work with the local affiliate. It then becomes a global as opposed to a a, a local um, program and I I think that's key for for engagement. I, I think also the importance of having a program integrated into business operations. So for us, we do um, we have an annual planning process. They send it into corporate. We evaluate what they're doing on the social um, purpose and environmental standpoint. It's into the, those metrics are integrated into our business priority metrics. So just as we would um, measure financial results and customer engagement and operational excellence, uh, employee engagement. We also measure um, the um, the carbon footprint of the property um, and how that is um, is improving, and then also the impact that they're making locally. So um, it's very that that in itself is quite a uh, a robust and and in, in some ways um, you know is a time consuming program, but for us for the. Certainly, for the scale of our program, that was was critical, but, but I, I think tying it in to the business, ensuring that it's communicated regularly. For us, we use the lineup process um, to ensure that our employees know what's happening, how they can play a role, um, sharing it with our customers, how they can get engaged, or even if they don't want to actively participate, they certainly want to know about the, the actions that are being done. So. Again, taking it beyond this nice to do to something that is integrated, and and if that happens, it's going to ensure that the strategy flourishes and is not going to be impacted by business fluctuations, because we, you know, all businesses go through um, economic upturns and downturns, um, and what you don't want to happen is uh, as a, as a business. Um, or an organisation goes into tough times, that the first thing to be jettisoned is, um, you know, a commitment to social social purpose.
1: Yeah, we've just got a seven or eight minutes to the uh, to the end of the interview, and I was just, you know, thinking when we you were talking about that. Um, I, I find myself I was working with a client for eighteen months on a, a major a major project which involved a lot of community uh, engagement. And uh, we were quite at times, you know, could be quite inundated with lots of different causes and uh, and different interests. And, and I wondered what your recommendations were for how people or companies find a cause to get involved with when there's so many causes out there actually that actually are asking for your help.
2: Yeah, so I, I think it's you know identifying what the what the business is involved in. Uh, because it, you know it's going you want it to be more than volunteer efforts or just financial contributions. You know, it's how you can leverage resources through in-kind donations and how you can share the expertise of your workforce, sort of human capital investments. You know, in a way, uh, so that helps with the mapping. Um, the mapping because you know once you identify what you know what your company is great great at, what they can contribute then you can find how that can map to a local organization in a multifaceted way um, rather than just doing a little bit here or making a donation here. It's, if you don't have a strategy that you can articulate, it's very difficult to say no, very difficult, um, because people are you know, sending emails, knocking on the door, sending letters with great causes. Very difficult to say no, but if you can say we can't assist you because this is where we're focusing our efforts, and this is the impact that's being made, it makes it makes it it does make it easier. Because a, a, a business is not able to help all of the people that come forward, all of the organisations that come forward. So, being strategic, um, having a, a sort of multi-discipline group working on that um, is invaluable. But I, I do think looking at you know what the company does, whether it's in the hospitality, whether it's in logistics, whether it's in retail, what are you know what are the core competencies of that business, and how they how can they be leveraged, and then identifying what are the organisations out there and the need. So it, it 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 is, you know, it's just with the same rigor that uh, you know a company would decide um, on a new business strategy or a new product line. Um, you need, really need to put um, a great deal of rigor around deciding how you're going to create a, a social purpose program
1: so it becomes a um it's it's a pro- based upon your strategy it's a, a proactive activity yeah. uh, and but also maybe just considering some of the reactive things that come into you but but sense checking those against your strategy
2: yes yes absolutely absolutely
1: it sounds a little bit like my guest selection for my show, actually. We have to do the same thing. <laughs> we get quite a lot of people who would love to be on the show. So it's quite one of my biggest challenges, actually, is, is, is handling that and, uh, and right. managing that. So I have somebody working for me to, to do that. Um, so what other comments or thoughts do you have on how people and organizations can become further involved in social impact?
2: Well, you know, I, I, I think it the, and uh, actually now, now is a very, you know, very good timing because just recently, you know, the, the the sustainable development goals were just adopted by, you know, all 193, um, member states, uh, the, the world leaders, you know, and these, these are goals that identify, you know, the most critical issues on our planet, you know, extreme poverty, inequality, injustice, climate change, um, and, you know, there are, they are, for the next 15 years going to be the areas that each country is going to be focusing efforts on. So I I, I think there is an opportunity here for companies to look at those goals um, as they're developing their social purpose program to see how they also can play a role in helping impact the Sustainable Development Goals. And in fact, one way, um, Impact 2030, which is an organization I'm engaged in, it's an initiative that launched at the United Nations, um, and we are mobilizing companies to direct their human capital investments, their volunteer efforts, um, to help um, non-government organizations and community organizations reach or, or play a role in helping impact the sustainable development goals so um if anybody's interested just just going to the um globalgoals.com is one way of seeing the 17 icons that that explain very simply what those goals are uh, but certainly I'm honored to be part of that organization and play the role of vice chair and and we have um, we're bringing some amazing Companies from around the world on board who are, who are aligning their initiatives with that uh, and then I, I think more broadly um, you know i have mentioned that you um, know need to um, ensure that your program is fully integrated you know doing good has got to be done well it can't be a an afterthought it can't just be writing a small check and feeling good about that it's really got to go much greater about much greater than that you've got to have leadership buy-in. It's got to be leader-led, um, and it has to be done effectively to have um, credibility. But there's enormous potential for companies to develop programs that can really enhance the reputation uh, of the company with employees, with um, with um, the communities where they're doing business, and, and also with their customers. So it's, it's uh, you know, aside from the great impact that's being made, there's benefits also to the business.
1: So it actually makes it makes good business sense. Yes, absolutely. And how many? So how many? I mean, what sort of scale? It sounds like a big, big global initiative. This, if it's involved with the United Nations Impact yes. Two Thousand and Thirty, you know, how big a company do? Uh, how big a company does big does a company need to be to be you know part of that?
2: They don't need to be big at all. Um, we, we brought on a number of large companies that have a global footprint um, as founding partners, but we are encouraging companies of all sizes to come on board as collaborating partners, and they can actually go to impact2030.com um, to, to get more research on that, and then there's ways of requesting information, and somebody will call them. And actually for companies that are starting to build out their social purpose program and, and using employee volunteering as a component of that, this is a great way to uh, start to mobilize those initiatives. So I, I would certainly encourage people to go to um, um, www.impact2030.com to, uh, to, to read more. We've got a lot of materials there um, to, um, to, to help inspire, hopefully, um, them to uh, want to join this, mo- this global movement.
1: Excellent. I just wonder very quickly, we've got about a minute left, but do you have a final message that you'd like to leave us with?
2: You know, I, I think, you know, I, I actually was listening to, uh, as you gave a recap of, of last week's um, speaker, and I'm definitely going to um, t- to listen to that. Um, but but I, th- I think those points about transparency and not overcomplicating is key um, in our business, whether we're talking about our service strategy to customers um, or our service strategy for the community, we we keep communication very simple. Um, it needs to be simple so it can be translated, but it needs to be able to reach every employee in the company. Um, so that, um, so we talk about trust, honesty, uh, integrity, and commitment as being sort of core, sort of key pillars for us. Um, so, yes, uh, I think exactly as your prior guest said, you know, communication don't get too sophisticated, don't overcomplicate it, um, and um, you certainly don't need a manual to um, to explain those, um, the, those, those philosophies. So I, I think that's a good good thing for all companies to remember broadly about the, the way that they operate.
1: Marvellous. So have got to leave it there. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been um,
2: delightful. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Chris.
1: You're very welcome. And if you've got any questions or feedback on the show, please send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. For more information on Sue Stevenson and Ritz Carlton, you can go to uh, www.communityfootprints.com. If you want a Twitter, at Sue O. Stevenson, at Ritz Carlton CSR. On next week's show, I'm actually having a week's um, holiday, but I'm going to repeat uh, a great show with Peter Thompson, who was one of my um, real Um, A little bit of a business hero many years ago, I used to listen to his CD series, and he did a great show on how to develop informational products. So we're going to repeat that next week. And then the following week, uh, we've got um, a a fabulous guy, Andy Gilbert, who's got an amazing business and is an expert on thinking. So I'll be back with you again um, very soon. But once again, thanks for listening to the show. And, And once again, thanks so much to Sue Stevenson and the Ritz Carlton.